I want to start off by uh, reading something from the Science of Mind textbook. This is the, the fourth of our series in uh, Back to Basics, and here is how Ernest Holmes starts it. He says, One of the great difficulties in the new order of thought is that we are likely to indulge in too much theory and too little practice. As a matter of fact, we only know as much as we can prove by our own actual demonstration. That which we cannot prove may or may not be true, but that which we do prove to ourselves is and will always remain the truth. So today I want to be a little more practical than usual, if you will, because we already have the tools. The last three weeks we already learned how powerful and complete God is. We've already learned that we get to share that power and that completeness, that that just who we are, just the mere fact that we are an intelligent being on this planet means that we get to use that same amount of power. And last week we learned uh, that the way that we really channel this power is through our own minds, through our own closely held beliefs, through that which we believe to be true for us, it will simply outpicture in the world. So as Sharon might say, uh, we already know everything, right? We should just get on with it. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are a few obstacles that might stand in our way, and I want to talk about a couple of those today. And, and you know what? They don't really even stand in our way. They really represent just one more place of learning, just one more thing that we need to take a good look at if indeed we want to begin using the power of our own minds to create a better world for ourselves and others. And the first one of these things is knowing what you want. How many people here have a pretty good idea of what you want? Okay, about half of you say yes. I want to play out a little thing in your head because as I'm out in the world walking around, I have more often hear what people don't want than what they do want. Do you know what I mean? Whether you're walking through Safeway, whether you're visiting with friends over the telephone, whether you're hanging out with, uh, with good friends, what are you apt to hear? Things like, that job really sucks. You're apt to hear things like, you know, my relationship with my, my husband or my wife just has been rocky lately. It seems like everything we do ends up just pissing each other off. We'll hear things like, uh, there's just no peace in my own home. I come home from a hard day at work, and I'd like to have a little bit of peace and enjoyment. And instead, I'm faced with an, a long list of all of the things that have gone wrong. We hear people talking about how their bodies are letting them down, how their family is letting them down, how life in general is letting them down. And it seems like a laundry list, often very specific laundry list, for exactly what people don't want. Well, for those of you who were even paying a little bit of attention last week, isn't that a recipe for disaster? When we hold firmly in our own mind those things that we really don't want to have, when we, our mind is constantly thinking about the unpleasant relationship, the troublesome work experience, the, the difficulty finding harmony at home, when we're really you know, holding onto those pretty tightly in our mind, even making uh, you know, public display of this information with other people, it's as though 
we're running a little prayer wheel in our heads. You know what I mean? It's like in some ways, the very thing that we want to escape from, we're doing our darndest to encourage. So today, today I would like to make a really strong suggestion. And that is, when we gain clarity around what we do want, let it be an affirmation of which we're going to experience. Not an avoidance of that that we don't want. Not a proclamation of these are the 38 things that I really don't like that really piss me off and make my life difficult. Because every time we enumerate them, it's a little bit like asking God for another heaping helping. Instead, let us create a mental equivalent of what we really do want. Paint the picture in our mind of what life would be like when things are going well. Feel in your heart the success of a great relationship, of a wonderful job, of a beautiful family life, of, of whatever it is that would make your heart sing. And I have a couple tips about this. First of all, don't be lured too far into thinking it's just about the stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we all need a certain amount of stuff in order to maintain stability and a level of comfort in our lives. And I, and I certainly don't want to deny that to anyone. And I don't even want to suggest it's a bad thing because it's not. But once our basic needs are met, true happiness doesn't mean just adding more of those things. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like we need a certain amount of money, a certain amount of comfort, a certain amount of food and clothing and uh, things like that, of course. And it's absolutely appropriate. And, and uh, I mean, let's go for that. Absolutely. But adding an, once your needs are already met, just adding more stuff seldom has a beneficial effect. In fact, some recent studies were done. Well, in fact, the Gallup poll people do them every year on satisfaction. The level of satisfaction for Americans right now, and they rated it on, a, 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 on kind of a, a, a scale of satisfied at work, satisfied at home. You know, are you feeling good about yourself? Those were the kind of questions that are in there. We're actually at kind of a low right now. So even as the American standard of living over the last 20 years has skyrocketed, our satisfaction with our lives, almost an inverse ratio. Now, I'm not thinking that too much of a good thing makes us miserable, although I suppose that could be true in some cases. But what I am thinking is that just more stuff, a bigger house, a newer car, uh, you know, a, a better telephone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just newer and better and more is not going to make us happy. In fact, the same people did surveys in other countries, and some of the countries where people have the highest level of satisfaction are some of the poorest countries economically. You know, we hear a lot about places like India where poverty is endemic, India is right up there as one of the countries that has the highest level of satisfaction and happiness. Not about the stuff so much. 
How do we get beyond that? Because I think uh, perhaps naturally our ego is drawn into thinking that more stuff will make us happy, that, that more money, that a certain kind of relationship, that a whatever it is will make us happy. And I think that our ego draws us into that because we look around us and we see people that are happy or we see people that have what we want and we view that havingness as the solution rather than the being it, rather than the, the being that, uh, that wonderful person in a relationship, rather than being that successful person at work, rather than being that person in a family where things are going well. Instead of the beingnesses, uh, I think we're so used to just going out to Kmart or, or Nordstrom and getting <laughs> that we think it should be that easy, that we confuse the having of stuff with the being happy. Well, uh, Reverend Sharon promised that she would help me with something today, and so I've asked Sharon if she would mind playing God. Okay. <laughs> Surprisingly, she seemed ready for that. <laughs> and this is a little tool that I have used for many years now to help me clarify what it is that I really want. And so Sharon is going to play God, and she has a simple task, and I think God's task is kind of simple. It's to give me my heart's desire, and perhaps it's to help me clarify my position. Last year when we did this during Back to Basics, I did something very personally. This year I'm going to do something more professionally. And so God, would you help me clarify my mind around my profession, around being a minister. Because what I think I really want is to see the seats here in this sanctuary filled every Sunday for both services. Okay. What do you really want? Uh, Well, I want uh, this to be a growing and thriving community with uh, always packed with people. Okay. And what is it that you really want? Um, um, what I really want is that the people that come here can have a personal transformation. Okay. What is it that you really want? What I really want is to know that the empowering message of science of mind is really internalized across the globe. Okay. What is it that you really want? I want transformation for the planet. I want everyone on this planet to know how powerful they are and that they can do what they will. Thank you, God. You got it. (laughs) Now, do you see how this starts? So often our gut reaction is we want it to be in a tangible way. We want to see the seats filled. You know, even in in a high calling like being a minister, there's an ego attachment to having the seats filled, to, to knowing that this place is supported with volunteers and money coming in and, and that there are enough people here to make this place viable. And you know what? That isn't really what it's about. But that's where we're apt to go first. 
where we're apt to go first is thinking that it's the career, the thinking that it's uh, finding the perfect partner that has a certain set of characteristics. It's about finding something outside of yourself that will make you happy. And the reality is so very, very often that those are just things that get added to it once you realize what you really want. And so in my own prayer work for this place, do, do I pray um, that, uh, uh, that the seats will be filled? Well, of course I do. Do I, do I pray that this will be a healthy and vibrant community? <laughs> yes, I do. But I got to tell you what, more important than any of those things are what Sharon and I got to right now. If we can see a blooming of this awareness of freedom and power on this planet, does it matter whether the people are here in seats on Sunday? Probably not. Does it matter even whether I'm standing up here in front of you? Probably not. What is important is that this life-transforming message is heard far and wide, and that's truly the basis of my prayers. The rest, I think, will happen. When we have a compelling message to tell the world, the world shows up. You know they do, whether it's on Sunday, whether it's on the internet, they'll find a way. So the idea is holding strong in my own heart what I know to be true, and that this message of transformation, this message of freedom is powerful. How do you translate that into knowing what you really want? Because what you might start out wanting is, well, I want more money. I'm having trouble paying bills, right? I'm having a little trouble with the car payment and the apartment payment and the <laughs> credit card payment. And so what I really need in my life is money. But the trouble is, money may not bring you happiness. It may pay the bills, right? It may prevent something bad from happening. <laughs> but does it bring you happiness? Probably not. What is it behind the money? Is it the freedom to do what you want? Is, the, is it the power of knowing that your needs will already be met always? Is it the sense that the universe is here to support you? Now, all of these things, I would say, would be a better source of your prayer work. They will endure whether the money is there or not. In the case of relationship, I've heard people pray for... Um, you know, a person of a certain characteristic. Well, I really want to meet my soulmate and she should look like this and, um, you know, we'll have this kind of relationship together and then I'll be happy. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, interesting. Uh, I'm guessing that all that's going to happen is it's going to reflect more of what's going on in your own life. And if you're unhappy now, you'll just be an unhappy person <laughs> in a relationship. Do you know what I mean? So often we think it's about getting people and things and whatever to come our way. And what it really is, is right here. When you feel loved, when you feel abundant, when you sense and can have in your own heart the, the joyous career. It's less about the career on the outside and everything about our career as humans on this planet. So that's the first um, tip, if you will, that I would give you today, and that is have great clarity about what would really make you happy. Not just about getting more stuff, because the stuff will come. What would truly make you happy? How would you feel if your life was more worthwhile? 
What is your true calling on this planet? Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing I want to talk about is your ability to actually hold on to it. Because <laughs> I think there is a difference between the wanting and the getting and the having. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about this a little bit. And in lieu of a joke today, I wanted to do a reading of um, something Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. And this, uh, as a child, this was you know one of my favorite books. And the White Queen in here had something right on target to say about this. The White Queen said to Alice, I'm 101 years old, five months and a day. Well, I can't believe that, said Alice. Well, can't you, said the Queen in a pitying tone. Try again, dear. Draw a long breath and shut your eyes. Well, Alice laughed. There's no use in trying, she said. One can't believe in impossible things. Well, I dare say, you just haven't had much practice, said the queen. Why, when I was your age, I did it for a half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things all before breakfast. (laughs) And you know what? I think the white queen had some good advice. Because so much, perhaps, of what we want in life, on the surface, seems a bit impossible, doesn't it? I mean, if we could be financially free, wouldn't we already be there? If we could have that perfect love that we all desire, wouldn't we have it? Do you know what I mean? There's already the little bit of an air of impossibility in what we want, because if it was easily possible, we'd already have it. How can we move from that which seems impossible into what we can not only say is possible, but even probable, even for us to have right now. Well, there are a couple ways we can accomplish that. One is kind of the inch-by-inch method, if you know what I mean. We may not be able to believe that final that final state of perfect bliss down at the end of the road, right? Do you know what I mean? That like if we dreamed of that, it would seem like one of those dreams that is true for someone else, but not us. (laughs) But I bet we can dream the next step. If we want to have a a perfect love in our life, I bet we can dream what having the first date would be like. We can dream about our own heart opening a little bit, more than it was yesterday. We can dream about some of the things we can do in our own heart, in our own mind, to become more lovable, to become that thing that we wish to experience in the world. And when you start stating it as just what's the next step, and what's the next step, It doesn't seem impossible at all anymore. The other thing that I want to suggest is that everything was impossible the week before it happened. Do you know what I mean? I mean, before Edison started fooling around with electricity, if you would have taken a poll of all the scientists in the world at that time, they would have said, electrical lights? Oh, please, you know, I would take out futures on kerosene. (laughs) If you, if you had taken a survey of Americans the year before Henry Ford actually started that assembly line with the first Model T Fords, Americans would have said, well, yeah, they did it at that one expo, that horseless carriage thing, but my God, they're just dangerous and expensive and stupid. You know, let's, it's horses, are you kidding? People throughout the ages have said things were impossible right up until what? right up until they weren't. 
Why should we not take the same attitude of knowing that it just is impossible for me, maybe in this second, but what about tomorrow? Why cannot I assume that there's going to be a breakthrough in me that will allow me to do whatever I want? People believe all kinds of things. Why not believe in your own heart? Why not believe that the dreams that you wish to find in the world are for you? Why not hold in your own heart so many of the other impossible things that we believe in easily? I mean, electricity is completely, uh, completely in, uh, not only invisible, but inexplicable. I mean, I mean, have you ever talked to an electrical engineer around how electricity works? And believe me, after an hour, I was like, okay. Well, I'm just glad that the, the, the switch works when I... Do you know what I mean? It's like impedance and, I mean, the words that I don't even know what they are. And yet, I have perfect faith that it works. Let us have an equal amount of faith in our own dreams, in our own co-creative power with God. So that not only can we do the step-by-step affirmations of, yes, I can believe this much and I can believe this much, but let us get to the place where we can believe that our big dreams are for us as well. Because you know what? God doesn't care. God does not care whether it responds to this tiny little dream, right? Do you know what I mean? I, I, I was meeting with a woman who was having some difficulty in her career. And she had come to me because she wanted some prayer work around asking her boss for a raise. It had been several years since she'd gotten a raise. And in a a way it was, her prayer work was, you know, make me draw up into myself the strength and the, the chutzpah to ask for a raise. And, and of course, you, you know me, not one to let things alone. I said, well, well, of course we'll pray for that. That would be kind of a next step kind of thing in terms of your success. But I said, you know, why do you just want a 20% raise? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that will help out at work. I'm sure the money would be nice. But really, what are your, you know, what are your career goals? What do you want to do in the world? And I got to tell you, that was way more the important conversation. By the end of that session, we were praying for a job that she didn't even have. Not that that job was necessarily going to go away overnight, but we were setting in motion God to respond to her desire for a wonderful career that probably wasn't working where she was working right now. Do you want to pray for the incremental stepping stones? We can. We totally can. Or we can dream huge. And with the same fervor, God will uh, attach its mechanism to bring it about. God doesn't care how big or how small. The only person that is throttling your creative power to get exactly what you want on this planet You know, it's the good news and the bad news story. The bad news is, yes, you may be throttling your ability to have a glorious, beautiful, and perfect life, but the good news is you can change. You have the same power to dream something bigger, to know in your own heart you're worthy of a life that is beautiful, that is loving, that is illustrious, that makes a difference. 
It's your choice, really. So I want to conclude today. Well, first let's do just a, a little bit of a summary. So the two things that may stand in the way of you really being happy in life, really making a difference in life, really being able to co-create with God a life that is powerful you, for you and powerful for the planet. One is, maybe you're not even sure what you really want. So clarity, clarity, clarity around what you really, really want. And the second thing is, can you accept it in your own heart? What do you need to do to be able to believe six more impossible things before breakfast? Because they were only impossible in your own mind. They are possible. In God, all things are possible. I think these are the only two things that could stand in your way. And for those of you who would uh, find fault with my summation, please uh, linger for the afterwards, uh, afterwards program for our group discussion um, after the sermon. Because I truly think we have the tools, if we can bring to it the clarity and the, the certain knowing that what we wish to experience can be ours, I think there's no stopping us. I'm going to conclude with a final reading. This is how Ernest Holmes ends these four chapters that really are the cornerstone of his teachings. He says, A new light is coming into this world. We are on the borderland of a new experience. The veil between spirit and matter is quite thin. The invisible passes into visibility through our faith in it. This is in line with the evolution of the great presence itself and nothing nothing can hinder its progress let us pray there is one power and one presence in this universe this thing that i call god is moving in around and through and as everything everything including us including me including the people in this room right now each person here is a co-creator with that one power in that one presence. And I know for each person here that a greater degree of clarity and a greater degree of acceptance are in their lives right now, allowing what is uh, born in that mind's eye of light and love and joy and success, born out of those feelings of what truly can be had, existence changes. And so for each person here, I know there's a, a greater form of clarity in their thoughts about what they want, what they truly want. I know there's a greater ability to claim those things as though they already had them, as though they are for them, as though there is an acceptance always of them. And I'm simply grateful for this, simply grateful in recognizing the power and the presence of God, even as the people in this room. And so with much love, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thanks so much.